Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. so good again to see everyone this morning. Thank you for, for worshiping with us here at First Baptist Church in Barberville. So since January the 1st, we've been taking a little adventure as a church, and we've been going through the Word together. We've got a reading plan that if you're not doing this, listen, pick up right now where you are, where we are as a church, and just start doing it this week. We've got some reading plans available at all the exits, so just grab one of those, come by the church office if you need one, and go through the Word with us. A lot of folks in the church are, are literally going through the Word together this year. And this reading plan, it's a five-day-a-week reading plan, so if you're like me and you get behind, you've got a couple of days to, to make it up, okay? It's very feasible to do. So last week, we were in Exodus chapter 19, with the Passover and really focused in on the blood and how that symbolized Christ. We, we saw how that tenth and final plague enacted by God upon the Egyptians and God doing exactly what He said He would do allowed His people then to, to leave Egypt. And we saw how God uh, came in to Egypt that night and when He saw the blood of the Lamb on the door doorpost of the Israelites' homes. He then passed over them, moved on to the Egyptians. This is the plague that finally broke Pharaoh's hardened heart and allowed him to let God's people go. So Pharaoh, from that point on, and the Egyptians actually changed their mind about letting these people go. And they set out after the Israelites and they catch up with them at the Red Sea. Most of us probably remember this story from Sunday school, right? They're basically surrounded. They have nowhere to go. They've got the Red Sea on one side, the Egyptians on the other side, and they're terrified that God turns the Red Sea basically into a highway for His people to go through on dry ground. And when the Egyptians pursue them, what, what happens? The Bible says that God basically drowned a whole army of Egyptians in the Red Sea. The Bible actually says not a single one of them survived. But God's people walk through on dry ground. The Bible says there's a wall of water to the left, a wall of water to the right. And it's honestly one of the greatest miracles in all of Scripture, certainly in the Old Testament. It's a pivotal moment in history as God rescues His chosen people from these Egyptians. Now from that point on, after the Red Sea, the people began their journey following the Lord to the Promised Land, this land flowing with milk and honey. And along the way, when they're hungry, God Himself gives them food. He gives them manna. He gives them quail. When they're thirsty, He gives them rock from... Uh, he don't give them rock. You don't drink rock. He gives them water from a rock. When they're fighting, God actually fights for them. He fights their battles for them. And eventually they make it out to this place, the same place where God found Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And he told Moses, this will be the sign for you when you come out of Egypt. You all will worship me on this mountain. And that's where we find God's people this morning in Exodus chapter 19. 
We're going to look at the first eight verses together this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll also have this up on the screen this morning. The Bible says this. It says, In the third month, from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up the mountain of God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you're to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And then all the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. And so Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. I heard a story this week about a man that was attending this church service, and that particular night they were having a special prayer service, pray, you know, praying for people and praying for their physical needs and uh, issues that they had going on. And he went forward and, and they said, well, son, how can we pray for you? He said, well, I'd really appreciate it if you pray for my hearing. And so, man, they, they start praying for this fellow and they're laying hands on him. And before you know it, most of the church is up there praying for this man's hearing. And they're putting oil on him and they're just really, really praying hard for this man's hearing. And they finally get done and the preacher grabs me and says, son, how's your hearing? He said, preacher, it's next week, but I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes we got to... We got to be clear about what we're saying and how we phrase things, right? This is one of those rare occasions in the Bible when God actually uses figurative or poetic language. Most of the time, God is pretty straightforward when He's talking to people. Now, the prophets, they use some colorful language, but God is typically very straightforward. But here, we see God speaking to Moses about Himself and comparing Himself to an eagle who carried Israel out of Egypt and to himself. Now, when we think about an eagle, we think about an eagle like this, right? The, the great American bald eagle. And we get very patriotic, and I want to sing the national anthem and, and all that stuff. But this is not exactly the kind of bird that God was, was calling himself, although it's, it could be similar. It could be an eagle. There's no bald eagles in the Middle East, but the principles are still the same. And God says that he carried Israel on his Wings like an eagle, and brought these people to himself. Now, later on in Deuteronomy chapter 2, I reference this because I think these two passages are tied together. Moses will again describe how God cares for his people like an eagle. Look at Deuteronomy 32 very quickly. Moses says, But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his own inheritance. He found him in a desolate land, in a barren, howling wilderness. He surrounded him. He cared for him. He protected him as the pupil of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches him, and carries him on his feathers. The Lord alone led him with no help. 
from a foreign God. Now notice the verbiage in this passage. God searches for and finds His people. He surrounds and He cares for them. He protects them. He spreads out His wings and He he catches them when they fall and carries them. And then He alone leads them. And just like God did for the children of Israel in the wilderness, God does the same for us today. It's the very same process that we will all go through when we follow the Lord. In the picture of His care and His grace back then, it's the same Steps that we will go through when we follow God today. First of all, God does this. God delivers us. Very simple, very straightforward, right? But God delivers us. You think about a mother eagle giving birth to these little baby eaglets. God in uh, Egypt delivered His people out of this darkness, out of this slavery, and even out of this paganism of the nation of Egypt. And all of all the people of the world... God chose Jacob's family. He chose these people to be His holy nation, to be His own special people. And in a sense, these people were lost when they were in Egypt. They were forgotten about. They were, uh, as Deuteronomy says, in a desolate land, in a barren and howling wilderness. But God found them there. And God miraculously delivered His people out of this place to the point that their oppressors were glad to see them go and actually gave them stuff to take with them. And then He miraculously parts the Red Sea for them to walk through on dry ground when they were pursued. Today, God still miraculously delivers people. How many Christians can attest that God miraculously delivers people today? He certainly does. And this is where it all begins for all of us. God sees us in our darkness. He sees us lost and hopeless and sinful. And He delivers us from all of that. Today, it's not through the Red Sea, but it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we talked about last week. As Jesus says, we get a new life. We're born again. And He delivers us not from Egypt and from all these different things, but He delivers us from our past. Thank God. He delivers us from our pain. He delivers us from these wars that rage deep inside of us. And He gives us peace and a purpose and a brand new life. But first we've got to realize our need for Him. It's the starting mark, the starting point for all of us. We've got to realize that we need saved, that we need delivered. And most of us, if we're honest... We find it hard to take an honest assessment of our own heart sometimes because we're not always sure that we'll like what we see. So we tend to avoid this. The great 18th century Puritan preacher Jonathan Edwards said, When I look into my heart and I take a view of my wickedness, it looks like an abyss infinitely deeper than hell itself. We don't want to see that in ourselves. We don't want to admit that, do we? The problem is, though, that God sees it too. And God doesn't like what He sees either. He sees our sin and He hates our sin. He despises our depravity and our sinfulness. But here's the thing, at the same time, God loves us as individuals. So much so that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to save us. The Bible says Jesus Himself said that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if that's you this morning... And you're right here at step one and you need deliverance. You need to be saved. Guess what? He will save you if you'll ask Him to. The good news is, though, He doesn't just leave you there either. God delivers us, but then God provides for us. God says, I carried you and I brought you to Myself. Deuteronomy says that He surrounded Him, cared for Him, and protected Him as the apple of His eye. The eagle, excuse me, don't make fun of that later this week, all right? 
The eagle watches over her young. She hovers over them. How many people had chickens before? Never had an eagle, but I've had a few chickens. And notice how when it rains, that mother hen kind of gathers those little chicks up and under her wings. An eagle does something very similar and gathers those eaglets in to protect them from the elements and protect them from other predators. Now, while she's taking care of these eaglets, the father eagle will go out and get the food and bring it back to the mother, who then gives that to the young. And, and here's what's fascinating to me. The mother eagle will stay in the nest with those baby eagles for about 40 days while they're growing and maturing and getting stronger and stronger. And likewise, God would go with these people when He brought them out and delivered them. He would be with them every step of the way. Like we said, He would feed them. He would give them something to drink when they needed water. He would fight their battles for them. But instead of 40 days, He would go with these people for 40 years through the wilderness while they grew and matured and, and they got ready to enter into God's promised land. Now, when God saves us, He doesn't just throw us out there to the wolves. He gives us everything that we need to follow Him faithfully. One, He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to correct us, to convict us when we get off track, to help us understand God's holy word and how to follow Him better. He also gives us His bride, the church, this wonderful community to be with, to help us grow together as we follow Christ together, and together we become more like Him. He gives us His holy word to teach us about Himself, to encourage us to not just be food for our bodies, but to be nourishment and food for our souls. God provides us everything that we need and so much more to follow Him, and one day to be with Him in the greater promised land, which is heaven. There was an evangelist that went into this town and he was preaching some revivals and holding some services and he, he was staying in the hotel there in town and he, he had a letter that he wanted to send back home, but he wasn't real sure where the post office was. So he was going through the lobby of the hotel one morning. He runs across this young man that lived there in the town and he said, Son, could you, could you tell me where the post office is? The little fellow gave him very clear, concise, very good directions to the post office. And when he got done, the preacher said, man, you give some really good directions. He said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come to the service that I'm preaching at tonight, I'll give you some very good directions on how to get to heaven. The young man said, well, no thanks, sir. I'm not sure I can trust you. You don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> but the Bible gives us very clear directions on how to get to heaven, on how to follow God. God tells us everything we need to know. If we're going to go to heaven, guess what? We're going to get there by faith in Christ and no other way. God then not only delivers us and not only provides everything we need, there's another thing that He does, and that's that He calls us. Now this one gets tricky for us. You see, God does all these wonderful things, and this sounds great, but there's also a level of responsibility on our part that's involved in all of this. He gives us freedom. Yes, He does, and that's wonderful. But He gives us responsibility. You see, liberty without responsibility is more of a curse than it is a blessing. And so God gives us responsibility. He tells His people, you're going to be my kingdom of priests. You're going to be my holy nation. 
And although God promised to give them this land flowing with milk and honey, when we get to Joshua, guess what they have to do? They've got to conquer the land. They actually have to go to battle. Yes, God would fight for them. God would fight with them. But they've got to suit up and go out on the battlefield themselves and men will actually die in the battle. After those young eagles have grown a little bit and mother knows it's time to learn how to fly. They're big enough. They're old enough. They're strong enough. And if they're going to survive on their own, they have to learn how to fly. And guess what happens if baby eagle doesn't want to leave the nest? Mother eagle kind of gives it a little kick out of the nest. The only way to learn how to fly is to get out there. And this passage in Deuteronomy, it's sometimes translated watching over the nest or stirring up the nest. And sometimes mother eagle has to stir up the nest and push those little babies out and make them learn how to fly. I think this is a lesson that a lot of parents need to learn today. I'm sorry, but baby boy and baby girl at some point need to leave the nest and grow up and spread their little wings and fly. God not only saves us from something... He don't just deliver us. He saves us to something. He has a plan and a purpose for us once He delivers us. And our overarching purpose, as we've talked about as a church, is the great commission given by Jesus to go and make disciples. But here's the thing about that. Each of us has our own talents, our own gifts, our own experiences that help us fulfill that purpose each in a different way, right? And so if you're not serving God in some capacity using your own talents and gifts and experiences, even that personality that God has given you, then then it may be time for you to simply get off the nest and start fulfilling your calling. But listen, I get this. I know how scary it can be to, to take that first step out of the nest. It's scary, right? We're sometimes afraid of, of messing everything up. We're afraid of falling. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what people might say if we mess it up. We're, we're afraid that God somehow might not love us enough or love us anymore if we mess this up. And so there's, there's one more thing that God does for us. And that's that God gives us grace. God's people, when we go back to the biblical narrative as we read through this, God's people are about to receive God's law. From this point on throughout the next many chapters, God is going to give His people a long list of things that they're supposed to do and things they're not supposed to do. There are a bunch of rules that they're supposed to live up to in order to live in the presence of a holy God. But guess what happens? Do you think they were able to do all that? Time and time and time again, God's chosen people will fail Him miserably. Fortunately, God is very gracious with these people. And throughout this, uh, the coming chapters, we're going to see this relationship between God's law and God's amazing grace. J. Vernon McGee, the great preacher, said, The law demands, but grace gives. The law takes but grace offers. The law says do, but grace says believe. The law says to work, but grace says to rest. The law threatens pronouncing a curse, but grace pleads with you pronouncing a blessing. The law says do better and you will live, but grace says live and you will do better. The law condemns even the best man while grace saves even the worst man. You see, they may fail 
God. They may break God's law. And they just said, yeah, we're going to live up to this, didn't they? In verse 8. Even though they do this, what does the Bible say? It says, like an eagle, God spreads His wings out. And He catches His people when they fall. And He carries them on His feathers. See, that mother eagle, when the time is ripe, she may go and sit on a branch or a cliff overlooking the nest as these little baby eaglets finally make their way out of the nest. And she'll watch over them and... And as they begin to try and fly, if they fail, if they begin to fall, she swoops in and she literally will catch them on her back and take them back to safety. Isn't that awesome? Now, other birds carry their young between their feet, but the eagle flies higher than any other bird and faster than most birds, so it can carry its young on its back because it knows that nothing is going to snatch their children away from them. You see, even... When those little ones start to fly and they're actually in the air flying around, guess who's right beside of them? That mother eagle. Just in case they get tired, just in case they start to fall, she's there to to catch them. You see, I think that's such a picture of God's grace for us. Even as a Christian, and you may be a good Christian, but there's going to be times in your life that you get tired. There's going to be days that you get discouraged, that you begin to lose faith, times when you just mess up and fall down. And you're kind of like that baby eagle, just flapping your little wings, trying your best not to plow into the dirt. Isaiah 41 tells, 40, 31 tells us what, though? It says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will do what? Soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we deserve, I mean, when we just deserve to plow our faces into the dirt and fall flat on our faces, God in His grace soars in and He catches us and restores us to where we can't get by ourselves. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're somewhere in this whole process. Maybe you're at the very beginning where we started and you're still needing to be delivered from whatever Egypt that you're in, whatever dark place that you're in. You need to be saved this morning. And if that's you, gosh, we'll give you an opportunity here in just a minute to to, to respond to that. But maybe you're uh, somewhere a little bit farther along and and you've been saved, but but you feel like you're, you're kind of like that baby eagle that's just flapping your wings and you're not getting anywhere and you're, you're falling faster than you're going forward and you just need God's strength today. You need some of that grace that we're talking about in your life this morning. Maybe God is, is calling you out. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit trying to push you out of the nest and you need to be a little more obedient to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that He's called you this morning. We'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. Would you stand with us this morning? As we close in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your your amazing grace, Lord. A grace that sees us where we are and is gracious enough not to leave us there. 
that you see us for who we truly are, not just who we pretend to be, not just who we are on the outside, but you see our hearts. You see our failures. You see us falling and desperately trying to get back up. And in your grace, God, you love us anyway. Lord, you love us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That we can be saved. That we can have a relationship with you and one day go to heaven. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not have that relationship and they need to be saved, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just prompt their heart this morning. Lord, if there's others that have just been struggling, struggling to get out of the nest, Lord, just struggling with life. Lord, I pray that they would experience your grace in a whole new way this morning. That they would feel your presence with them, watching over them, guiding them, there to catch them if they fall, that they have nothing to be afraid of, Lord. God, I pray that you would show someone that you have a purpose for them. God, all these kids here, I pray that they would understand that you have a plan and a purpose for their life if they would just follow you. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. We sing a song of invitation this morning. If there's a decision you'd like to make, you need to be saved. If you just want to come to and pray or have someone pray with you, this church is where you feel led to be involved and get plugged in. And you want to make this your church home, why don't you come this morning? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.